Everyone ready for some word today? Let's get out our Bibles this morning. And uh, let's go to Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 6. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time we have today. We thank you for the blessings of God, that in Christ we've received all these things. And Lord, we, uh, we pray now that as we approach your word, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that your, your will and your plan would be revealed and shown and made clear, that we might, might walk in the fullness of all that you have, all that you've promised. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we live by faith and not in fear of anything that comes upon the earth or anything that happens around. But Lord, we, we found a place in you. We are safe. We are protected. We are helped in you. Today, Lord, we draw upon your grace. We draw upon all that you have and all that you are. You sustain us. You keep us strong. Thank you, Lord, for, for victory. Thank you, Lord, for life in us, that we reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Praise God. Hope you're having a good fall so far. I guess fall's only been going on like a week or so, right? Technically. Ten days, to be exact. <laughs> What's the day today? Two. October 2. Okay, a little over 10 days. Amen. So, uh, God's doing good things. We've got good things in front of us. And the Lord is uh, increasing us more and more in many, many ways. Many, many ways. Amen. Just better than ever. Better than ever. And getting gooder. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, let's begin reading in verse 4. Hebrews 6 and verse 4. For it is impossible... For those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God but if it bears thorns and briars it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned praise the Lord anybody excited yet <laughs> I don't really like that burned part. Uh, <laughs> stay away from the fire then. <laughs> Today, uh, I want to share with you about a subject that's, um, I don't know, there's a lot, been a lot of discussion about this subject over the years in various camps and circles. Uh, but the, 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 the topic today is, can salvation be lost? Can salvation be lost? Uh, anybody want to know the answer? Anybody already know the answer? What? <laughs> so you're 
<laughs> going into some deep waters here. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we've been discussing what the Bible calls first principles, right? And uh, from the first verse of this chapter, now this particular passage follows that list. In other words, this was the beginning of what the writer said would be, I guess, considered second <laughs> or the more mature things, the, the other things that he wanted to get into, and it wouldn't be excluded uh, it, w- it wouldn't exclude everything else and simply include this only, but the rest of the book of Hebrews, certainly you can see what he meant by when he wanted to go on to some other things and, and not continually again and again talk about just those first principles. Um, and so this is one of the things that was brought up first, and that is this particular subject that I want to talk to you about today. When, uh, of course, there are people on both sides of this particular belief and doctrine there are those that um, will say that once a person is saved, once a person is born again, it is impossible for them to ever become lost after that point. That once they receive the Lord Jesus, that it never again, it, it is absolutely an impossibility for them ever to not be saved. All right? There are all, and these people are born again, believers, they're you know, love God. There are those on another side of this that are also believers, also love God, also read the same Bible, and they have come to a conclusion in their minds that uh, salvation is quite frequently lost. And, and, and that basically a, a person, if they continue in sin, that they are not guaranteed of heaven then. That not only must salvation be received from the Lord, but then there's some that believe it must be maintained. That if we sin, then those sins must be dealt with. They must be repented of. They must be turned from in order for us to continue on in our fellowship and relationship with the Lord. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to, in, in my discussion today, to throw either of those camps under the bus and, and act like, well, they're just, they're just horrible. <laughs> those are they're just bad people they just need to read the bible um because actually we're uh, i don't believe that because you know people love god and come to some different conclusions doesn't make them right uh you can love god and not be right about everything we hopefully we are thankful for that <laughs> uh, however some some things are right and some things are not we can't go in the other ditch to this situation and you know people will say well you can never really know because people interpret the bible however they want to and you never really know what's right and wrong well that's nonsense if i don't ever know what's right and wrong i can't stand and 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 value truth in my life how can i put on the uh the the belt of truth as the as part of my armor if i can't ever know the truth then i can never be really protected um where i'm coming from in this message today is really not in either of those camps I don't believe completely in one side or the other, and I know I've done a very, if you're a well-studied person, you might think, you haven't done either side justice in those few minutes. Do you know that? (laughs) Yes, I know that. (laughs) I realize this is a big discussion. This could be a multi-month series. However, I'm going to try to hit it in one day, all right? So you know I'm not going to cover all the scriptures and and go into all the the counter-arguments, per se, Uh, but, but I know this, whenever studying the subject of God's grace, I don't see how you can come to any other conclusion 
then our salvation is not contingent upon what we do. I cannot do right things unto salvation, right? I think all Christians know that. If you're not, you're not saved. But here's the other thing. But I cannot do wrong things unto a loss of salvation. In other words, my salvation is based on Jesus and Jesus alone and His finished work of the cross. Therefore, if I live right and do perfect and do everything without flaw, uh, that doesn't make me more saved. Nor, if I stumble and fall and, and fail, does that make me less saved. That should be, of course, if you want more teaching on that, I've done some series on the subject of grace, and I think it would be valuable. Many people live in condemnation. They feel guilty and like a failure and all this stuff, not knowing that Christ has made you free, that Jesus gave you victory. It's not something you earn from day to day. It's not something you have one day because, you, you, you know, you're, you're holy in thought and mind and, and word and, and, uh, and everything. And the next day, man, you're, just, you're going to hell if you die that day. But, you know, I, I think there's, uh, there's some extremes on both sides of this. And, and, and some of them, I think, are really damaging. You know, many Christians live with this idea that, that if they were to die at certain times, just like, you know, car accident or something at certain times, that they just might go to hell because they didn't get all their sins confessed or, or they weren't living completely right at the time. And how many know that's, man, that was not a... How do, how do I say that? That's a horrible life. Amen. I mean, to be so uh, fearful of losing something from the God who gave his son for us. And so anyway, when studying the subject of grace, uh, I, I see very clearly that a believer cannot sin their way out of heaven. If someone is born again, their sin or their failure to do everything right does not change their status with God. That is secure in Christ. You know, we see scriptures like, uh, like Ephesians 1 that says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee that we have in, uh, until the day of redemption. And, and, and so those things are, are of great value. I also know that when, when God's grace is, is taught and presented accurately, that it's always going to raise questions about people who seemingly uh, want to live in sin and call themselves good because of God's grace. And that was true even in Paul's day where he had to explain those things when he taught in the book of Romans grace in such a powerful and pure and exact way. He had to uh, answer questions about those who would say, well, then we can just keep sinning then, right? We can just, because where sin abounds, God's grace abounds, we might as well go for it. <laughs> Let's just sin away. And of course, he answered that question and said, God forbid. He said, that's not what we're saying here. Grace is not permission to do wrong. It's empowerment to do right. And uh, nevertheless, my salvation is not in flux from day to day. All right, I'm not. Uh, I'm not one day saved and the next day kind of saved. And you know, no, no I, I've been sealed by Him. Yes. Okay, and so I, I would absolutely say of a certainty. And again, we, we can study that for hours and hours. And scriptures galore. It's a wonderful and empowering uh, truth to get a hold of about our um, our place in 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 the Lord. Um, but here, here's the other thing. I would say this. To lose salvation and to reject salvation or, 
or renounce salvation are two different things. Okay? And I would say this from the beginning. Um, I don't believe that since I got saved, the Lord took away my will. We see all through scriptures, you know, Joshua said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Those things still apply to me. I'm still making choices daily. The Lord still honors my decisions. He'll honor your decisions every day of your life. He'll never force you. And so that's something to consider as we discuss these principles. Now, you're there in Hebrews, but hold your finger there and look at 1 John. 1 John 5, just to the right, a few pages. 1 John chapter 5. So if you want to get an answer to where I'm coming from, if I ask the question this way, can salvation be lost like Oh, jump, where'd my salvation go? <laughs> or I'm cruising along, serving the Lord, you know, not necessarily uh, without fault or, or, or failure or anything like that, serving the Lord, and all of a sudden, <gasps> I'm lost again. No, I believe the answer is emphatically no. Salvation cannot be lost. All right. However, let's read. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who, who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. Now, this is some pretty interesting language he's using here about sin leading to death, sin not leading to death. I think we should understand this, first of all. If you have friends, you have brothers or sisters in Christ, in the church, you have relatives that are serving the Lord, and they go off, then go the wrong direction, you should be engaged with them. Hmm? We, should, we should be involved with them. How? Well, if, if nothing else, we should be praying for them. Amen. Don't don't let the flesh get involved when you have a friend or a family member who knows better. (laughs) And uh, and so you just want to be kind of teed off at them. Can't believe what an idiot. I cannot believe what they're doing. They so much know better than that. Why? And why don't they get their rear end back in church? Why? You know, and you understand how I say it that way. A lot of times when we know people really well. And we see them doing the wrong thing and going the wrong direction in their life. We can just be just aggravated at them. We can be uh, upset with them. But here's the thing. We should be praying for them. We should pray. We have an, uh, an ability to have an inroad into their life and to restore their relationship and their, their walk with the Lord if we will pray for them. However, the scripture also does speak about uh, sins that are unto death. He said, I'm not saying you should pray for them. All right, now let's go back over to Hebrews. In Hebrews here, the verses that we read at the beginning, we can see that there are five qualifiers to a person who, as as the verse says here in in chapter 6, verse 6, 
if they fall away, to renew themselves to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. All right? And so it is, and and you go back to verse 4, that's where it says it's impossible. So he says about this particular group of people that are qualified here, he said if they do this, if they crucify the Son of God, put Him to an open shame, crucify again, he said for them it's impossible to renew themselves under repentance. That sounds like a pretty serious deal, huh? Anybody ready for this today? Should we go back to the milk? <laughs> he, he, he said, for them, they're in trouble. They're in big, big, big trouble here. Okay? And so we want to uh, take a few minutes and define who them is. Who are these people that are, that are in, in trouble here? Number one, the Scripture says here, it is those who were once enlightened. All right? They were once enlightened. Now, now, what does it mean to be enlightened? Well, that simply has to do with the gospel was preached to them. So, uh, the word of God, the salvation was preached to them, and the light turned on. Come on now. All of us were in darkness at one point, and you might still be, but we're endeavoring to turn the light on. We were all in darkness, but someone shared with us the good news of God's love and what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he provided a way for us. And what happened then? The light turned on and we became aware of all the possibilities of how much God loved us and that we could be saved, that we must be saved, that we could be saved, right? And so so enlightenment came. This is... um, this is kind of like the prodigal son. Remember when Jesus taught uh, that parable of the prodigal son? It said at one point he came to himself, right? He was out there in the world and he finally, finally came to himself. Some say that's because he, you know, sold his shirt and sold his hat and sold his coat and finally came to himself because he was poor and out of money. <laughs> I think it maybe wasn't that, but... Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, these people are once enlightened. How many know it's, it's one thing to be enlightened? In other words, to see and know the truth, to recognize God's love and, 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 uh, and, and what he's done for them. It's another thing to receive that. All right. Many people uh, go on for, time, you know, for a long period of time. They know the truth. They know God loves them, but they haven't turned their lives over to the Lord yet. All right. Okay, but this group, number one, the first qualifier is they've once been, uh, they've been enlightened. Secondly, number two, is they have tasted the heavenly gift. They have tasted the heavenly gift. Now, what's the heavenly gift? Or maybe I should say, who's the heavenly gift? We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so... And so the heavenly gift is simply Jesus himself. They have tasted of the heavenly gift. These people have not only come under conviction for sin, but they have now gone a step further, thank you, Lord, and they have received the heavenly gift. They have partaken of the Lord Jesus, of salvation. And uh, and how many understand, first of all, that if you talk about a person falling away and not being able to get back, you can't fall away from something that you've never achieved. You can't, you can't fall away from somewhere where you're not. 
And so we're not talking about an unbeliever here. We're talking about someone who's been enlightened and someone who has tasted of the heavenly gift. They have been born again. Therefore, the potential, at least in in logic, exists that a person could fall away from something that they have. Amen? I can't fall off the platform if I've never been on the platform. Right? First, I have to be on the platform. Otherwise, how can I fall away from it? Number three... Number three, the third qualifier here, is they have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. They have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Now, this refers to, as you know, the Scripture teaches us that salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit are two separate and distinct uh, works of God in our lives. Okay, Receiving the Holy Spirit is something that you receive after salvation. Okay, And that is, you can read Acts chapter 8 and other verses that will explain this. we know uh, from Scripture, you can read Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, and verse 4 about receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So these people are not only, they know the truth, they've received the Lord Jesus as their Savior, they've also now been filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice again that this is a separate and distinct um, uh, uh distinct experience that they have one from another so these people are filled with the spirit they are tongue talkers they they speak in a heavenly language all right and so they're going down the road aren't they can you see a little progression here as well of some things that god wants all of us to experience yeah there sometimes we get satisfied oh, i got something good i know but is there anything else you should receive is, is there another step in your in your walk in relationship with the lord and there are there are, we ought to continually be progressing and increasing in these areas. Okay, number four, though, number four, the qualifier here is, that it says they have tasted the good word of God. They have tasted the good word of God. This refers to spiritual maturity, okay? This is talking about uh, someone who's, they're not just saved, because how many know you can be saved, filled with the Spirit, uh, uh, you know, enlightened, saved, filled with the Spirit, all in the in five minutes, and, and you can you can have these qualifiers, but he doesn't stop there. He's saying that person can't fall away. That person, they're not in a situation where they can fall away and not then be renewed um, uh, back w- with the Lord. But he's talking about those who have tasted the good word of God. This takes a period of time. What what are we saying here? That the qualifier. Uh, has to do with maturity. See, uh, remember the the good word of God. Well, I think there's something to be said there uh, about it's not the not just the milk of the word. Remember, uh, what First Peter two two has sincere babes desire the milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Bible speaks of milk and solid food and meat and so forth. These people have received the good word of God, so they've been taught. They understand the ways of the Lord. They understand the word of God. They've developed in spiritual things. Praise the Lord. And if you want to develop in spiritual things, the word of God needs to be primary. You need to eat a lot. (laughs) A lot of work. And not just in over a few days period, over a long period of time. Keep eating. Keep eating. Keep bringing the Word of God into your life. It'll cause you to grow and to mature. And uh, basically what he's saying here is a person must understand the serious nature of making a conscious decision to reject the Lord. This is not an immature person who doesn't really know what they're doing. Uh, They're just having a bad day. They're just kind of 
under serious temptation. They flew off the handle and said some things and did some things that they really would rather take back. No, this is a different situation here. These people um, understand the serious nature of what it would be to deny Christ. All right. And then number five, number five, it says they have tasted the powers of the world to come. Tasted the powers of the world to come. Now that's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. This is talking about the, the operation of God. It's talking about spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 12, there's nine gifts. These people are acquainted with, not only with with Jesus through salvation and the Word of God, and they've not only been filled with the Spirit, but they operate in the power of the Spirit. They have the gifts of the Spirit flowing in in their lives. And it's very interesting how God in His great mercy disqualifies so many immature believers. He said they can't even do this. They don't even qualify for this rejection of the Lord after they're saved. And it's unfortunate that many people, many believers live with this sense of condemnation and guilt because they think they've committed a sin that cannot be forgiven. They think they've done something unpardonable and, and therefore they have this fear of being rejected from God and going to hell and yet they're his children. Okay, And the devil has lied to people, and many times because they're in such an immature state, they're susceptible to his lies, susceptible to those type of suggestions. But that's not the case, and that's not what, uh, what happened. Now, a man of God a number of years ago, Kenneth E. Hagin, had, this, had a vision of the Lord. And, and the Lord was teaching him in this vision. He was caught up in this glory cloud. And uh, the Lord was teaching him in this vision about the subject of uh, demonic activity, about Satan and how he attacks people, how demons will um, basically oppress people, how they, will become, they can become obsessed, and how they can be possessed. All right, and the Lord was instructing and showing him how things happened in the spirit world, and in this in this uh, time with the Lord, He basically showed him in this vision a particular woman whom Brother Hagen knew. He he said, uh, or he knew he didn't know her personally, but knew of her, and uh, she was a uh, pastor's wife, was in the ministry with her husband, uh, used of God. And had been saved a long time. And, and as the Lord basically narrated what he was seeing, he showed her how the devil attacked her life. And he told her she was a child of mine. She served me. She was in the ministry. And, and uh, in this vision, he saw this demon come sit on her shoulder. He said it looked like a little imp. He called it. He said it kind of looked like a little monkey came and sat on her shoulder and started whispering in her ear and basically telling telling her that uh you know you've been uh, you, you've been robbed in life you you know you're very you're beautiful and you're talented talented you could have had a lot of success you could have had a lot of fame and fortune and popularity and uh basically uh feeding her those thoughts and he, he explained to her, she recognized that that was the devil. Now, it wasn't that she wasn't talented and didn't have some things to give. The devil just wanted her to focus on the wrong thing. And how many know that's true today? This is my, my interjection. The devil has no new tricks. 
the same bag of tricks. What will he do today? He'll whisper. He can't just come in and clean your clock and ruin your life and, and make a mess of things. But what he can do is give you suggestions. And oftentimes, especially for the believer now, like this woman who was a believer, uh, he doesn't come at you and say, why don't you worship me? Why don't you set up idols in your house? You know, why don't, in doing some things extreme that we might just say, dude, that's weird. I, I don't want to do that. Uh, but what he does is work with uh, some emotional conditions that already exist in our, our life, or, or at least he wants to introduce those thoughts. And with her, it was a pride issue. You've been robbed in life. You could have been so much more. You could have had fame. Because she was a really talented singer, and she was uh, really gifted and and uh, and you could have had so much more in life. And he started feeding these thoughts to her. And, and the Lord said she recognized that that was the devil. She recognized that, th- that those were ungodly thoughts. And so she resisted it. She said, Satan, get behind me in Jesus' name. And in this vision, he saw this little, this little imp thing jump off and run away. Because, you know, the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Just because we don't see these things happen doesn't mean they don't. Oh, they absolutely do happen. Come on, when you speak the word, when you speak the name of Jesus, there's activity in the realm of the spirit. And again, we don't always have to have a, a vision to see these things, to know it. We live by faith and not by sight. Okay, but she resisted and this, the, uh, this, this thing left her. But over a process of time, it came back. And uh, you know how I many know that's scriptural too. When you, when you see Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he resisted the devil, uh, this Bible says the devil left him for a season. What does that mean? He came back. Huh? We don't have any permanent barrier. Because I just have to resist temptation one time and I'm good for the rest of my life. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> no, but temptations come back. The enemy comes back. And he said this thing sat on her shoulder and started whispering in her, in her ear about how she'd been robbed in life and how, you know, she could have had much fame and fortune and popularity. And she, she recognized that that was the devil. She resisted it and it left her again. And this happened over a period of time. I don't know the time frame, but it happened, it happened multiple times. And this thing came back. But after a while, she started entertaining those thoughts. She started listening to those thoughts. And she, because she, she liked to think that way. She liked to think, oh, yes, I'm this, I'm that, I'm something special. I, I could have fame and fortune and popularity, and I've been robbed in life. And, and, uh, and so she started entertaining those thoughts. How many know we've got to watch that? Yeah. Come on, it's totally up to us. But we entertain thoughts that we want to, or we resist thoughts. That, and we've probably all yielded the th- thoughts before that were wrong, that were ungodly, that were contrary to the word. But let's not do it. And and uh, and she started yielding to those thoughts. After a period of time, what happened is those thoughts became normal for her. That she became obsessed with that kind of thinking. And the Lord explained to him that she knew it. She knew she was obsessed with that kind of thinking. That it was ungodly, but she liked it. She liked to think that way. And what happened? He said in this vision, suddenly he said she became transparent. And he saw there was this black dot. That was in her head. He said like the size of a, I think he said a half dollar. Uh, uh, a black dot that was in her head. And he said that was basically the Lord saying, she's become obsessed with this kind of thinking now. That's, that's the w- w- way she thinks. And the enemy, he said she can still resist it. She can still recognize that and resist the devil and he'll flee from her and he'll leave. But she became obsessed with that type of thinking. And over a period of time, is uh, what happened is she continued along those lines until 
uh, that became normal for her. And the enemy had an inroad into her life. And she eventually left her husband. And he said she was, she had, she was with like five other guys, but she didn't get married. She was just kind of bouncing around. I mean, just living like the devil now. And, uh, and, and not, not serving God anymore. And she, he said there was a minister, actually a, uh, a leader in a, one of the denominations, went to her, went to her at a hotel room. He, he was seeing all this in the vision. Went to her at a hotel room, and, and she came to the door, and she knew immediately who he was, and that he was there to try to restore her and get her back uh, where she's supposed to be with the Lord. And she, she, ba- she basically said, you know, uh, as far as Jesus Christ is concerned, to hell with him. He said that black dot moved down on the inside of her. Down on the inside of her. And she had gone this route. See, she was not a baby Christian. She had experienced the Lord. She was developed and matured. She had experienced the power of God. And she got to a point where she made decisions. And any point along the way, she could have resisted that. But it got to a point where she consciously and knowingly said, I don't want him in my life anymore. I don't want the Lord. She said, to hell with Jesus. And you know, the Lord Jesus honored her decision. Honored her choice. In this vision, he said, uh, Kenneth E. Hagan said, he said, you want me to pray for her? That's what he thought. You're showing me this so I can pray for this woman, get her, get her restored. And the Lord said, no, don't pray for her. And that shocked him. And that's when the Lord directed him to that scripture we read in 1 John. So she made her choice. She made her decision. She qualified. And this, this has become a, a very serious thing. I want to show you Hebrews 10 as well while we're talking. And it gives uh, further light along this, this same subject. See, when you know something and act like it's nothing, it's going to cost you. Uh, what we do with our thoughts when we know, you know they're demonic in origin, it really is a big deal. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, notice the scripture here in verse 26. It said, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law without dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much more, of how much worse punishment do you suppose he, he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. And so th- this is talking about a real, this is real serious language here. But he's saying, basically, uh, a person does not lose their will. They do not, not lose, even though they've developed in the things of God. Now, where this kind of language has, has caused some trouble in some minds is that you get some believers who are really not adept in the good word of god and they'll think well i sinned and i knew what i was doing so obviously that was willful now have i rejected the lord have i done uh, have i insulted the spirit of grace have i crucified the son of god afresh am i am i now have i now committed a sin that's that can't be forgiven and that's not the case. He's speaking, he's speaking real specifically of a person who is rejecting the Lord with full knowledge of what they're doing. Not, 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 nothing hidden. And, and, you know, we're told that, that, that there are people, many people end up in uh, 
you know, psych- psychological institutions. They, they get committed. And it has to do with this severe condemnation. The Christian, Christians that were once walking with the Lord but feel like they've committed an unpardonable sin and they, and they can't get back and, and they're, they're, they're destined for hell. And it's the, it's the enemy's tricks. Twisting the scriptures to bring them into, in, into a bad place. All right? But for those who do know, I think the word for us is let's watch what we're thinking about. And let's remember Philippians 4 and, and think about those things that are godly and just and true and of good report and lovely and praiseworthy. See, we're told what to do with our minds. Why? So we can recognize when the enemy's trying to get in. We can recognize when, when his voice is coming against us and say, no, 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 that's not God. That's the devil. I resist that in Jesus' name. Come on now. And we, we cast down those thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against and above the knowledge of God. Amen. And if we keep control of that, we'll never end up even close to this pathway. But it is all up to us. But it is interesting. When you ask the question, can a person lose salvation? No. I don't see that in Scripture. That you can just go along because you sinned, you know, you had a bad day. Maybe you said some things that were wrong, that that all of a sudden you're not a child of God. Well, that's not consistent with the Bible. Amen. It's not consistent. I mean, I like this verse. It's saving the same chapter. Hebrews ten fourteen. It says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What's that one offering? That's Jesus. For by one offering, he perfected us forever. Amen. And so my, my walk with the Lord, my salvation is absolutely secure in him. But the Lord does give us in Scripture this situation where people have the right to reject and refuse. You see, in their day, uh, this book written to the Hebrews, all right, they come out of Judaism. They come out of the law. And it was quite an adjustment for them to think, I don't have to obey Moses. I don't have to follow all the commandments. Now I'm under grace. That's just a new way of thinking. And when someone got saved, how many know there was heavy, heavy, heavy pressure from family? And some of them were tempted in that time to reject. They've been saved. And they've been, like you said, the, the qualifiers are here. They're walking with the Lord for them to go back into Judaism. Because they would get ostracized from their family. You're no longer a part of our family because you have rejected. You know, they think, people think they're doing these things in the name of God. You've rejected the, re- rejected the Lord. And so some of them were tempted to go back. And to renounce salvation. You had to renounce Jesus as being the the way, the truth, and the life. If you were going to go back, you couldn't accept him as your Messiah any longer. And and likewise, that pressure exists today in certain quarters with different religious activity and different religions, even in our area, where some people will, when they they leave a particular religion and get born again, man, they are in trouble with family members and they get cut off and treated like the devil and everything else. And and, uh, what's the temptation there? It's for people to go back and to say, okay, okay. Let's keep peace in the family. And, but you can't do that once you know. You can't do that once you know. I know of situations where that has happened in, 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 in our day. But, uh, you know, it seems that the Lord is real quick to forgive ignorance. I mean, not that we should strive for it. But remember Jesus on the cross. You know, Father, forgive them for they, they know not what they do. 
That's interesting. Even the Apostle Paul said he was forgiven of blasphemy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. The Apostle Paul. And so that, 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 that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, in our society, if you take a child who, uh, you know, you got little Johnny, 10 years old, and he's mad at mom and dad one day, and he says, bless God, I am out of here. I am leaving. And he marches out of, out of the house. He marches downtown, goes to the government buildings and said, I'm divorcing my family <laughs> or whatever. You know, I'm going to change my name. I no longer want to be called by this name. I no longer want to be called part of this family. You know what they'll do? They'll probably call his parents up on the phone and say, hey, uh, Johnny's down here. You might want to come pick him up. They're not going to honor his request. They're, they're not, they're not going to give him the right to just change families because, you know, why? Well, he's too immature. You're not allowed to make those kind of decisions when you're of that age and that maturity level. And likewise, the Lord does that with us. When you're talking about an immature believer, they may, they may cuss out the Lord, but they haven't ruined their eternity. The Lord doesn't allow them to make those kind of heavy-duty decisions yet. Right? But how we know when little Johnny grows up, he becomes an adult, he can do whatever he wants. He can go change his name. He can go say, I don't want to have, I'm not no longer going to be a part of this family. I'm going to change my name. Now I'm going to be a part of um, my own family, whatever he wants to do. And, uh, and the law will back him up. The law will back him up in that and say, okay, you are now so-and-so. And, uh, and likewise, this is true with the Lord that he honors our decisions. Praise God. Praise God. Interesting. Uh, this this subject, you know, I was I was ministering last night. A woman new new to our, new to our church came up. She was just actually in tears. Said I was confused about some of these things, and I was just praying. Can I lose my salvation? <laughs> so then I came to church. She was looking around like I can't believe you're he's saying this <laughs> to, to be answered that quickly. <laughs> but you know, we should have uh, a little bit of depth of knowledge, okay? And just because there are scriptures that you know. You might just read over quickly sometimes and not fully get the grasp of them. Uh, there's, some, there's some depth that we should walk in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we're so thankful for your love and mercy. We're so thankful for your grace and power. Thankful for your faithfulness. And thankful that all that you have planned for us is coming to pass. Lord, you're teaching us so we can walk close with you and understand your ways. Not be deceived. Not be simple-minded. Lord, we can walk with the fullness of an understanding of a knowledge of you in all areas of life. And uh, thank you for this knowledge today. Thank you for this understanding. Of course, we purpose to live for you always, to walk closely with you, for you are our life. You're the reason we live. You're our answer. You're our hope. You're our joy and our salvation. And Lord, what would we ever do without you? Lord, we thank you today. And I pray for those who are, who are in service today that are not right with you. Those that are not walking with you today. Those that have never known you. Lord, even those who have been listening to the enemy's thoughts. Lord, I pray for your supernatural grace right now to manifest in them, to make them strong make them strong that they might resist the enemy and he'll flee in Jesus name we thank you for it amen amen praise God